You're listening to audio from Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. For more information, go to cbcsavannah.com. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Father, that's what we ask right now, that we can just for a few moments cast everything aside, the heaviness that's out there, the anxiety maybe, uh, maybe even just the distractions, that just for a few moments that as your people, we can come and gather and worship and listen to the words of Christ himself. Um, Beautiful words, words of life, words of abundance, words of joy. And so help me, Lord, who who am a broken man, who am a sinful man, who needs to just be challenged by this text time and time again, just help me to, to make it clear to your people what you are calling us to as followers of Christ. I just, I just pray your spirit would fall on us right now, uh, that you would just grow your church, that you would equip your church to be followers of Christ, and, and just, this would be one small piece of that, and that we would delight in your word, that we have it sitting in our laps, in our phones, on the screen in front of us, that we would delight to have the very words of our Savior in front of us. So use it to shape us. For Christ's name's sake, I pray. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. Good to be back with you guys. I see that I can't leave ever again. Every time I leave, everything falls apart. <laughs> and so last week, the toilets are blowing up on this place. This is what happens when you put Kane in charge, right? Um, so the toilets are blowing up, and you know, sewage is pouring out, and got to have to take the little kids across the street, and the video venue is blowing up. See, this is what happens when the boss leaves town. And so I won't leave again ever. I promise. Uh, just for you guys to know, though, our brother who kind of had a m- medical emergency in the first service, uh, he, he was last we heard stable and, and doing well, so thank you guys for praying in the service. Um, just, we've had this happen before, and so we just kind of pray and ask God to do it, and you know, the EMTs got here, and we had great doctors and nurses all over the place that kind of helped out, and so I appreciate that, you guys doing that too. We are in Luke chapter 5 today. If you have a Bible, Luke 5, if you don't, there's one on the screen or there should be one in front of you. Um, 
One of the things, if you're new, that we do as a church, when we gather, we sing a couple songs, uh, but the main point of our service is that we gather to study the scripture together. And so we do that in a systematic way. We have been going through the Gospel of Luke, and some of you have been at churches where kind of, you know, pastor gets up and kind of gives a couple ideas, and Cherry picks a couple verses, and kind of, and, and that's fine, and that's one way to do it. I'm just not that creative. I don't have that creative brain to come up with something new every week. And so what we do is we work through the text um, and just kind of understand it in the context, in the flow. And I think it helps us to get a bigger picture of what the Bible is about. Because let's be honest, for someone who's new to the scripture, it's intimidating. It's this big book, 66 different books inside, written over 2,000 years, multiple offers, multiple different languages on multiple places and locations. And it can seem intimidating. And so what my goal for us is that the way I work through the scriptures and William and David and whoever else is up here, that you'll start understanding how to do it for yourself so that we are working ourselves out of a job in essence, that you don't need me, you don't need William, you don't need David, uh, you, that you can come to the scripture yourself, you have the spirit inside you and you can read it and understand it because it was meant for you to be reading it and understanding it, all right? And so that's, that's one of the goals. And so today, we're just gonna talk about what it looks like to follow. Our mission statement, for those of you who've been here a while, we say we want to equip people to follow Christ through community in the Bible. There's our name, right? But the, the point is that we are trying to equip you to follow Christ. And the idea of following Christ, there's an action. Following is not sitting in a seat. Following is not merely information. There's an informational piece. There's a learning piece but to follow means I am actually doing something. I am going somewhere. And that, that's really what we're about. And what we're going to see today, we're going to see a famous guy come onto the scene for the first time in the scriptures, at least in this book, right? And this is one of my favorite dudes in all the Bible, okay? It's, it's, he's just real, and he's rough around the edges, and he does dumb things, and he has a big mouth. And so I relate to this guy really good. And, and so as... We all have our favorites, you know, we have our favorite stories and we have our favorite figures in those stories. Last year when a bunch of us nerds on staff went to see The Force Awakens, all right, first showing in Savannah, a bunch of your staff there, okay, and there's a scene about 20 minutes in and, and it was a powerful scene. It hadn't happened since 1983. Han Solo comes on the screen and I mean, it was clapping I mean, there was we, you would have thought it was a bunch of women watching The Notebook, okay? Uh, it was weeping, and we were just so, it was a great scene, right? Well, that's kind of how I feel when this guy comes onto the, onto the screen today, all right? Because th this is a guy that everyone kind of loves, everyone kind of picks on, but he's just like us. So we're going to see this morning the Apostle Peter for the first time in this, in this book, and, and he, we're going to see that Jesus is going to call him full-time to be a follower. And, and the things that it means for him are the same things it means 2,000 years later for us. There's gonna be a little bit of distinctive you know, cultural things, but the big picture ideas, what does it mean for Peter to follow Jesus? It's the same thing for us. What does it mean to us to be followers? So we're just gonna talk about them. We're gonna work through a text. I'll highlight some things, explain some things, and just kind of relate them to our lives as we live in 2017 um, in Savannah, Georgia. So Luke chapter five. And where we've been is, remember, this is early in Jesus' ministry. Last year, Cain kind of showed that his first miracles are taking place. He's starting to reveal who he is to the people around him, right? There's still a little bit of confusion, but he's kind of working his way and teaching and preaching and healing and doing all these things. We pick up in verse 1, chapter 5. 
On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And so here's the scene. Jesus is by Gennesaret, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee, okay? Common place for him. And, and people are just, they're just there. I mean, they want to hear him. They, they're leaning in. It's crowded. Why? Because they want to hear the word. Because there's something about the way Jesus preaches. Remember I told you that it's simple, it's authoritative, it's practical. He hasn't, they're not there to see him heal. They're not there to see, you know, he's not going to make smoke come off the sea. Look at this, smoke machine, sea of Galilee, mist, you know, light. They are there for the word. And it's crazy crowded. And here's just a side note. I know that some of you get frustrated sometimes because there's no parking. And some of you get frustrated because it's crowded over here and we got to make the young guys sit in the windows sometimes. And, and that's a little bit of a pain. But let me be honest, we love it. Because would you rather this place be empty on a Sunday morning? It's like you and me, right? I mean, so, and I love that you're here not because we do smoke machines, not because there's anything flashy, but because we preach the word. Simple, authoritative, practical. That's what we want to do. And if you got to walk a quarter mile to get in here, so be it. That's not a big deal, right? But that's what's going on. They're crowding, they're leaning in. Jesus is going to teach, and he sees two boats by the lake. And the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, which means their day is over. Okay, they fish at night, and the last thing they do, they wash out the boat, they wash out the nets, and they go hit the rack. Right? Jesus sees two boats, they're empty. So he jumps in one of them. Right? Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, right? On the side of it, it's it's named Saint Simon's. It's his boat. He gets in that boat. Peter's not in that boat. Or you could say Simon says. I was trying to think of creative names, but but he just jumps in Peter's boat. Now, Peter and Jesus have come into contact before. He healed his mother-in-law in the previous chapter. We've seen him uh, at other occasions in other gospels. So there's been some interaction. Peter's not yet all in, though. He hasn't quit his day job yet. But think about it. Peter's tired. He's washing the nets. All he wants to do is go home, get some Oreos and milk, watch a little Prices Right, and hit the rack, right? Because he's been working all night. But Jesus jumps in his boat says, hey, can you push out a little bit from the land? What are you going to say, Jesus? Fine. Just better keep it short. Short sermon, Jesus, right? And so Jesus sits down and teaches the people from the boat. He's using the technology of the day, no microphones, you know, no MP3s. He's using the water as his microphone, gets a little bit of distance between him and the crowd so they can all hear him. We don't know what he preaches. We assume it's something about the kingdom of God, which is what his common theme is. And in verse four, when he finished speaking, and this is where it gets good, he says to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. He puts him on the spot right there. Hey, let's go fishing, Peter. You're a fisherman. Again, Peter's tired. The boat has been cleaned. Those of you who have a boat, you know, you clean the boat, you wash it all out. Last thing you want to do is put it back in the water because then you got to clean it again. Last thing you want to do is put the nets back in the water. you got to wash them again. You j- now we're cutting into sleep time. All right? Th- that's what's going through Peter's mind. So he, he, he wants to get out of there. But let, let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. Look at his response. And Simon answered. And circle the word master in your Bible. All right, because we're going to come back to it. Master, it's a term of respect. It's just a general term, generic term. Master, we toiled all night long, took nothing. 
And, and there's, there's a little bit of respect in this, but there's also a little bit of condescension. Because what Peter is thinking is, Jesus, I know you don't know how this works. Because you're the Mr. Carpenter guy, and you just kind of showed up and pre. And now you're a good carpenter guy, and you're a great teacher guy. But this, this is not how fishing works. See, we fish at night. Let me just give you a little science lesson, Jesus. Fish at night, fish come to the top, cooler out, throw net, catch fish. In day, sun, hot, fish go down. No catchy fish. Okay, that, that's, the, that's kind of the heart of what he's saying here. And, and not only that, we, we went last night when fish are at top and caught nothing. So, so that, just so you know, it's, it's, it'd be the equivalent of me going down to, to you know, Memorial, walking in the ER and be like, okay, I, got, I, got, I was a PE major, I had biology in college. What, what do we got here? Nurse? Yeah, that looks broken. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. All right, let's do this. And the doctor would be like, look, dude, go roll the ball out, PE major. We got this. You go do preachy, preachy down there around the corner. We'll take care of this. That's the heart. The carpenter is telling the fisherman, who's been fishing, by the way, since he was two. He's caught caught more fish. I mean, this is what he does. He's lived this life of a fisherman. And the carpenter is telling the fisherman how to fish and where to fish. You notice he says, "Let's, let's go over there in the deep water. Jesus is like, that's a good spot. And so, and so Peter, he responds positively, even though it's kind of like tearing him up. But, Jesus, because I like you, because you're a good teacher, you healed my mother-in-law last week, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Right? I'll do it. And it doesn't, mat- it doesn't mention it, but you got to think his partners, James and John, who are on the shore, they're there. They got the other boat. They got to be thinking, what in the world is Peter doing? It's bedtime. We just washed the nets. He's all paddling himself out. What does he think he's going to do? They think he's wacky. And this is the first thing for us this morning. It's a big piece of being a follower that I want you to get, is that followers obey even when it doesn't make sense. Followers obey even when it doesn't make sense. And this is why I love Peter. Peter's like us. We don't, we don't admit it. We'd be like, yes, I'm going to obey the Lord because he told me to fish. No, this is what we do. We're okay when, when, when Jesus speaks into Jesus things. Church, I'll listen to Jesus. Sermons, J- Jesus, your stuff is hymns, songs, Sunday school, world missions. That's your stuff. And I'm okay with you staying there, right? But the moment it crosses over in our stuff, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, I got the fishing piece. You take the hymnal piece. You take the tithes and offerings piece. And let me take care of this piece. I got my job in my business. I run my business the way I want to run my business. You you stay in the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs business. I'll stay in the medical this. I'll stay in the the construction business. I'll stay in, I'm a doctor. I'll stay in the school teacher business, right? Or we say, you know what? This is my spring break. I'm 21 years old. I'm going to do what I want to do. And Jesus, I don't think you really have a, you weren't never in college, so you don't know what spring break is. So that's, I'll, I'll, come to, I'll come to college study, and then I'll do what I want on spring break. Jesus, you, you don't really know about marriage because you don't know what it's like to live with that person. You don't understand my spouse and all these things that I have to deal with. And I don't even think you were really married, Jesus. I don't think you dated. You kissed dating goodbye. That's fine. So I'll take care of marriage. You take care of Sunday school. Right? 
You, you take care of that side, I'll take care of that. That's your side. My entertainment, there was no Netflix first century BC. So I'll take care of what I put in my mind and you just take care of, of world missions. And we do what I talked about a couple weeks ago. We put God in this little box and he's over there and we're over here, right? But we, we separate it and we say, you know what? This is what, this is what happened. This is normal. This is what the culture says. This is where I'm gonna go. And as a follower, you gotta understand that sometimes Jesus will call you to be countercultural, that he will call you to go in the swimming upstream and he will ask you to do things that make no sense no sense. I, when, when Sarah and I felt God calling us to Dallas, Texas, leave a job. I mean, it wasn't a great job, but it was a job. Making money, had health insurance, had a one-year-old and a three-month-old. And we're supposed to move to a city that has a football team that I hate. <laughs> where I know nobody. I don't have health insurance. I don't have a job. I don't have friends. And I'm going to do something that I hate. I have to study, okay? I have to write papers. I didn't write papers at the Citadel. I was a PE major. This is how you play kickball. You run the first. I didn't write papers. Didn't study dead languages. I had to learn Southern English, all right? Coming from the North. I, I, did, I didn't like reading stuff, thousands of pages of theological things from the third century. Didn't make any sense whatsoever, but it was absolutely clear that God was moving us to Dallas, Texas. It was fishing in the daytime. And sometimes God is gonna call you to fish in the day. Sometimes you're gonna have this great business deal sitting right in front of you, and, and, it's, it, and there's a little bit of gray area there, but everyone does that because that's how we get ahead in our business. And if I don't do it, then I can't keep up with my competitors. And God is gonna say, walk away from that. I know you think it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. Right? It's, it's gonna happen. You're, you're sitting in this, this, you got this great career opportunity. Oh, maybe I should, should move and there's this great opportunity to go over there and, and God's gonna say, you know what? It is a great opportunity, but I'm calling you actually to stay in this point. Doesn't make sense. Maybe he's calling you to leave a situation where there's security and safety to go do something new that takes some risk that has to, to put your trust in him and his provision and his care and you're like, oh, <laughs> this is safe. Maybe he's asking you to do that. It, it, it's swimming, I mean, it's fishing in the daytime, right? Maybe he's asking you to have a hard conversation with someone that you've just been ignoring and you don't wanna do it. You just want, don't wanna rock the boat. Or st he's telling you to keep quiet even though you have the expertise and you, have the, you know what's going on, but he's saying, hey, you just hush and let me take care of this. Just, no, I need to go in there and figure it out and do it. No, no, you just need to rest, right? It, it's, it's fishing in the daytime. Right? Maybe you got all this laundry and you got all these clothes to fold and you got all this food to make for all these kids and pick them up and you feel like I gotta get this done or else I'm gonna get behind on everything. But God's saying, you know what? Those clothes will get folded, but you have a friend that is really struggling that she's in the hospital or she's just wrestling with depression and you just need to go and spend two hours with her and cry with her and pray with her. It makes no sense because now the kids are gonna have mismatching socks, which is fine and your kids will not end up unemployed because they had mismatched socks. And they can have cereal for dinner and it's okay. It's swimming, I mean, it's fishing in the daytime. It's little, it's big, it's all sorts of things, right? Maybe your friends and you're just in this hard marriage and all your friends at coffee are saying, you need to leave that guy, you need to leave that gal, and she, you don't, they don't deserve you, and they're, they're a 
you know, they're just a deadbeat and blah, blah, blah. And you just, yeah, you need to go out and be happy. And they're telling you all those things, but you are a Christian and you've made a covenant before God that you will stay there till death do you part. And, and maybe that's the, you need to swim upstream. Right? I, I don't know, but, but when you follow, sometimes he's asking you to follow against the culture. I know you got these two singles and it makes sense on paper and we just move in together and, and kind of save money and all these things and the culture's doing it and it's no big deal. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Your purity matters, right? He's gonna ask you to obey even when it doesn't make sense, right? And, and so Peter, even though it doesn't make sense, at your word, Jesus, and that's a, that's a great phrase because it's the word of God, it's the words of Jesus that spoke everything into existence. By him, through him, and for him, Colossians 1 says, are all things. And so the power of Jesus' word, even when Peter doesn't understand it, he says, at your word, I'll do it. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. And just so you know, Jesus will never ask you to do something that contradicts his word. Just, just so you know that. Because you hear all this talk, now, well, Jesus told me to do this. Really? Because he says in this book that that's not what you're supposed to do. And so there's this whole, like, well, let's just throw Jesus into the conversation to make him, like, agree with me. His word will never contradict what he's leading you to do. Okay, just, just as a heads up there. But he will ask you to contradict what the culture says, and he will ask you to go against it sometimes. And it will be scary, but that's okay. Because he's got big shoulders. So before we move on, I just, you know, write it down. Maybe you can spend some time later thinking about it. Is there an area you're a little bit terrified? Do you feel like the Lord is leading you in that you're kind of hesitant in? Don't hesitate. You will never regret trusting God. I should have done it my way, said no Christian ever. You'll have no regrets. It'll be a wild ride, let me tell you. But you will have no regrets, right? So just, just think about that as we move on. But believers, followers, obey, even when it doesn't make any sense. So let's get back into the, what's happening. So, so Peter's going out fishing. And I, I, w- I wish I could see this. I wish it would be like a little, one of those little Facebook, share if you think Jesus is great and you see the, this going on, right? Because you could just see these guys paddling out and Jesus kind of standing in the bow, like pointing right there. With a smile on his face. They can't see it, but he's smiling. He knows what's going to happen. And Peter's just like, and John and James are like, what in the world, right? And so let's look what happens. And when they had done this, there's no real description of it. It's just no drama going on here. It's just like very matter of fact. And when they had done this, they throw out the net. And there's no sitting around waiting, no staring at the sun, no whistling. I mean, as soon as they throw it in, it's like, bam. Something's chaotic, and, and Peter's brother's name is Andrew. He's probably in the boat. They're partners. doesn't mention his name, but they are brothers, and they're partners in this fishing. So it's probably Peter and Andrew, and they throw it out, and all of a sudden, boom, Andrew's like, Peter, brah, what, what, what's going on? And remember that scene in Nemo that just, just keep swimming, just keep, and they're, saw, they're all pushing the net down, and Nemo's like, come on, just go, we can do it. That's what's going on. There's so many fish, they are breaking the nets. Big problem. Right? And so they, they wave, James, get over here. They're like, help, SOS, come on. They're like doing something, get over here. And so they signal the partners in the other boat and they come help. And they're like, okay, good. And they start throwing these fish in the boat and all of a sudden there's another problem. There's too many fish. 
and they start sinking. And these are not little canoes. These are 20 to 30 foot boats. We have some, we found some of these first century boats on the Sea of Galilee. They're 28 feet long. Okay, these are, these are nice sized boats and, and you can just picture it. I mean, they're just these fishermen with fish up to their knees and they're jumping everywhere and it's just crazy. And there's Jesus just sitting there in the bow smiling. And, and, and they're sinking. And so finally, when they get some calm, finally, when the fish start jump, stop jumping and they, they realize, that, okay, we've, we've leveled out the boat. There's no more water coming in. We're safe. Peter kind of looks at the fish and he sees Jesus. And he fell down at his knees. He's, now think about it. He's fallen on his knees, which means he's, he's, now he's up to his chest in fish. Right? And they're still jumping in. You know, he falls on his knees and he, and he tells you, depart from me for I am a sinful man. And notice the phrase now, circle it. It's the Greek, Kyrie. Those who were my age remember a song in the 80s by Mr. Mister, Kyrie Eleison. I used to think it was carrying a laser down the road I always travel. <laughs> I know you did too. Carrying a laser, Yeah! It's actually Kyrie, Lord, Eleison, have mercy. The word for Lord is Kyrie. He has gone from a term of respect, master, to a term of deity, Lord. He has gone from a little bit of condescension, hey, I'm the fisherman, you're the carpenter, to a public declaration of who he's, he believes Jesus to be, Lord. And what's happening is the fog is beginning to lift for Peter a little bit. It's not clearly gone. I mean, he's gonna have great moments and he's gonna have awful moments. It's gonna be a three-year process for him and his disciples, for the disciples, till they finally are absolutely certain about who this they are following. It at the resurrection, it's kind of the final deal. But they're in process of recognizing who it is they are standing with, who it is he is kneeling before when he's standing next to the Lord Jesus. Um, he's having some clarity of mind. And, and, and here, here kind of, let me give you an illustration that I heard this week that was helpful to me, maybe it is to you. What's going on in Peter's mind? When we have these popular stories that we have that we all love, or maybe most of us love, when, we're, when we see individuals with power, the, the way it's portrayed to us in these stories is usually the power is actually divided. It's de decentralized. So you got like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or you know the Avengers or Harry Potter. And you have all these different people who have all these different powers. And so you get the light side and the dark side. Or you got the good, good people and the bad people in Harry Potter. I never got into that. I just didn't, you know, I was whatever. But, um, but you got Lord of the Rings, okay? So you have all these different individuals and they're after the ring and they all have different powers, but you can only use these powers. And I know some of you read the Similarian because you're nerds and you're even worse than me. So I don't wanna know why, but I know this. I know that the elf girl is able to like throw the river down the river and knock out these guys on the horses, whatever their names are, right? I'm thinking, why couldn't she do that like an hour earlier when she was getting chased? Because elf girl needs to be in Elfville to use her power. Because power is kind of like decentralized. Everyone gets a little bit. Hulk gets this and the Iron Man gets this. So it's spread out amongst different people. What's going on here and what Peter is seeing is not power that's spread out with different areas. It's all this power in one dude. So he's got power of demons in the last chapter. He's got power over fevers in this in the last chapter. Now he's got power over fish in this chapter. And so it's all centralized on one individual. And he is putting this logical progression in, together in his mind, right? He, he, he's he's kind of put it together, and he's answering a question that I have, a huge question, all right? And I think that if we're honest with the text, we've got to ask it too. Here's the question. 
right? What does catching fish have to do with Peter being a sinner? I mean, really? This kind of, how did those two ideas get in the same sentence? Catching a bunch of fish and Peter being a sinner. It's because he's seeing all this power in this one man. And there's this logical pro- progression going on in his mind. If, he, if he's the one who puts the fish in the lake, and, and, the, and it's not that Jesus was a good fisherman and he knew where the fish were gonna be. He put the fish there. He created the fish to be there. He drew the fish to that spot. And Peter's thinking, if he drew the fish to that spot, then that means he's the creator of the fish. And if he's the creator of the fish, that means he's the creator of the lake. If he's the creator of the lake, that means he's the creator of the land. If he's the creator of the land, he's the creator of everything. If he's the creator of everything, that means he's the creator of me. So the one who put the fish in the lake is the one who created me. That's the one that I came from. That's the one to whom I'm going. That means he's my judge. And as I'm standing next to my judge, I realize I just questioned the judge and told him he was a bad fisherman. And he, next to the holiness of, and the power of Jesus, sees his brokenness and sees his frailty and sees how he has missed the mark. And so he says, Lord, get away. It's kind of like Isaiah in Isaiah 6 when he's standing in the presence of God. He says, I can't be here. I cannot be here. And Isaiah is like the rock star of his day. He's the best man of his day. And here's... Here's the point for us, is as a follower, followers obey when it doesn't make sense, and followers grow in humility. It's opposite of what the world may think. The longer you're a Christian, the more you know, the more smart you are, and the more arrogant you become. It's actually the opposite. The more you grow, the more humble you ought to be. Because the more and more you walk with this one and and see his sovereignty and see his power and see his love and see his grace, it ought to drive you to see his bigness and your smallness. Like I was out last night. You cannot look up at the stars with an honest conscience and an honest heart and say, I'm a pretty important person. When you see Orion's belt and see that just you look around at God's creation and you stand on the beach on a windy day and feel the power of the wind and the power of the ocean and you cannot stand there and say, yeah, I'm pretty powerful. I got a B in chemistry. I, you just can't do it. And the more and more you draw near to this one, the more and more you will recognize his awesomeness and it'll humble you. It just has to, if you're honest. The, the more and more you, you draw near to him, the more and more you'll see you're not an expert in what you think you're an expert. And all those areas you thought you could control, like fishing, you're not really in control. And all your righteousness and your best day, and I grew up in church and I'm a good person and I give my money. When standing next to the Holy One of Israel, it's not, it's not really much to count on, right? And so we, we just wanna be a people that we're having more and more encounters with the Lord Jesus, not on Sunday morning for 75 minutes, but personally, because as you do, you will grow in humility. And I don't want us to be a people. Look, you are doing what the people on the beach are doing. You're sitting in a crowd. I'm in my little boat. That's, that's the idea of what they're doing. You got a bunch of people in the crowd, but not many of them have encounters with the Lord Jesus. And my fear for us as a church is we got a lot of people in the crowd but you, some of you have never actually had an encounter with the living Christ. And so you've never actually felt the neediness and brokenness that Jesus came. What did he say? 
I, I came for, for what? To, to, give blind, to, to give blind people sight. To, get, to fix broken people for the needy. I came for the needy. But because you're only looking at how much better you are than everyone else, you actually never see yourself next to Christ and you never see your neediness. And so here, here's my encouragement. And, and, and I think this happens in the church all the time. And I love Jesus' response. Normally when you come up against this kind of power and authority, you would run, right? Jesus says what to these guys? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Simon. Don't you love that? God's power and his glory and his holiness are not a reason to flee. It's actually, for those who approach in humility, a reason to draw near, right? Because, and that's the heart of the whole series we're talking about, falling and rising. Those who exalt themselves, God will humble. Those who humble themselves, God will cause to rise. And so when you come to him in neediness and in brokenness, he says, that is why I have come. So draw near to me. Draw near to me. Right? But even in drawing near, we got to be careful because it's so easy to get caught up in the church deal and following Jesus that there's an arrogance that just slips in. And you want to see proof positive, look at the disciples. They have great moments, and then the next moment, Jesus will have just done an amazing miracle, and he's walking out in front, and they're back there fighting over who's the, who's the best apostle. I'm better than you because Jesus did this and blah, blah, blah. And Jesus has to turn around like, really? Did you not see that? Did you not see this? Now, they eventually get it. But I think that's the tendency in the church because I don't do that like I did anymore. And that person over there, I know where they were this weekend because I can smell them. And that person at that church, and I know how they act. And so I'm a little bit better than you are. And it slips in. I'm a greater apostle. I'm a greater disciple, right? And it's actually immaturity. And so stop looking at other people and you just look to the cross. You look at Calvary. Don't compare yourself to your neighbor. Don't compare yourself to your spouse. Don't compare your kids to their kids and they're this... You compare yourself to Christ and then you will fall on your knees and you will say, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinner. And he said, that's why I came. And he'll embrace you in his arms. And that's the kind of people we wanna be. That's the kind of people we wanna grow. A little homework for you, right? Remember I say homework, you say what? Homework, I was weak. Homework? All right, just, here's your homework for this week. Spend 15, 20, 30 minutes at some point. Turn off the radio, turn off the TV, Spend some time in maybe one of these passages that's just richly about the Lord Jesus. Maybe Philippians 2, talking about his emptying himself. Maybe Colossians 1, talking about how he is the authoritative one of the universe. Right? Maybe Ephesians 2, talking about what he has done. And just kind of look at what he has done. Stop staring at everyone else and just stare at him. And just, and just spend some time responding to him. You with the Lord Jesus by the Spirit. That's, that's what we ask. That's, that's what we want. Encounters with him throughout the week. And let him be the one who humbles you so that he will one day exalt you. Followers obey when it doesn't make sense. They're, they grow in humility. Let's continue in our text. Next thing is that followers fish. Real simple. Again, look at our text. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. He takes this right in front of them illustration, fishing everywhere. He says, now, from now on, you are going to go fishing. And there's a little bit of irony there because normally when a fish gets caught, it's bad. It ends up as fish sticks with mac and cheese on a plate. Okay? But here's what's interesting about what Jesus says. The word that he uses for catching men is not catch to eat. It's actually catch alive. 
that you from now on will be catching men alive, right? I am about fishing. If you're going to follow me, followers fish, period, end of story. The call of every follower of Jesus is to be expanding the kingdom. It's not to sit in the boat. We do not sit in the boat and watch Jesus fish. That's not what's going on. He says, now, you guys go fish. And there's many ways we do that, and we'll talk about that. But we, the calling of the Christian is not to come to church. Right? Do you realize that no time in the gospel, not one time, Jesus says, go to church. It's, a, it's assumed that we will gather. But he never says that. But you know what he does say? He says, love your neighbor. He says, serve those who don't love you. Be kind to those who hate you. Serve your brothers. He says all those things. And, and, and Cain made such a great point last week. I thought it was, for me, the, the, his greatest point personally, that Jesus does not use his authority to kind of tell everyone what to do. He uses his authority to serve. Huge. Huge piece. You have to be about what Jesus is about. Right? And let me, let me just vent on this piece just for a minute, just a second. If you're visiting, you're like only been here for a month, this is not for you. You can get out your phone and check Facebook real quick, okay? This is for those people who are here. And not those people who are doing 75 things here, because I'm not talking to you either. But it is sometimes so difficult, y'all. It's like pulling teeth just to get people to do some things and serve. It just is. And, and we are missing great opportunities to fish. Some of you are missing great opportunities to fish. Every week, here, let me give you one example. And this is an area that we constantly come back to, but it's huge. It is a hugely important piece. In our children's ministry, we have over 250 kids every week. That's like an elementary school. That's just zero to fifth grade. And what happens on many Sundays is this. Visitor comes. They get on the website. 1045, okay, I'll show up at 1045. They don't know what you know. You show up at 1045, you're late. So they come and they try to put their kids in the nursery at 1045, which is really 1047, because they had to park up there on Duren, all right, because they didn't know that either. And so they show up, and the nurseries are just jammed full. And so we got to find a way to find space for the two to three kids. Some of these people are believers already. Some of these people are not. And we, we do our best to find places for them. It has nothing to do with that we don't have enough rooms. You know what it has to do with? We don't have enough people. So we got like two ladies up there to have like 35 one-year-olds and they're going crazy and they love Jesus enough that they show up still, but that's the way it is because we just don't have the people. And you have to understand that fishing is not just being Billy Graham in front of 80,000 people sharing the gospel. Fishing is sitting with a two-year-old in your lap singing Jesus Loves Me, helping them crayon a little picture with fish and a boat. That's fishing. Fishing is watching an 18-month-old so that a parent who doesn't know the Lord can come in here and hear the gospel. Fishing is reading with a neighborhood kid who doesn't have anyone to read with them. And it's more than that. Fishing is, is hospitality in your home. And we, we, one way that people you know, often will say, well, we'll invite people to church, and that's, that's what I do. That's great. Inviting people to church is great. Do you know what's better? Inviting people to lunch. Inviting people into your home. Right? Being a great employee. Showing hospitality. 
Meeting a need in your neighborhood. See, Jesus never says invite people to church. What he does is he goes to people. He goes to their fishing boat. He goes to the sinner's home. You realize that's what you're called to do. That's fishing. And you may not be the great order. You don't have to be. All you have to do is know what Jesus did for you. That's all you gotta do. I don't know, understand the five points of Calvinism. Neither do I. <laughs> Nor do I care. A tulip for me is a flower, period. Here's what I do know. I was a sinner going my way. Jesus opened my eyes. He forgave me of my sin. And he gave me a new life. He died on a cross in my place and rose again. I know that. That's all I need to know. I can tell someone that. I was foul mouth feller. Now I'm something else in the middle, and I'll be something more. That's what I know. But the point is this, that we are to be fishing. That's, what, that's the point, not sitting in the boat. It, Jesus tells us that the harvest is, is plentiful. There's just not enough people. Just like there's not enough people in the nursery, there's not enough people in the harvest. And so I just to challenge you, if this is your church, I'm, again, I'm not talking to a visitor. I'm not talking to a person who's been here a month. I'm not talking to a person that's been here two months and they're super wounded because they came from this church and they were burnt out. But those who are here, if you're a member of this church, your call is to serve the body and then the fish. And if you're not interested in doing that, just please listen to me. It's, I'm not trying to be harsh, but this is not the church for you then. Because we only have like 15 seats per service open. And if it's just gonna be someone sitting in the boat, there's plenty of other boats out there. This is a speedboat. Get on. <laughs> we just want to be doing what Jesus says. We want to be about what Jesus says and followers fish. One more thing real quick, and we'll close. Here's the end. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And, and this, this, has been, this verse has been used to guilt people all over the country to go do something that's not intended for them to do. Jesus is not saying you have to leave Gulfstream. He's not saying you need to drop out of med school. He's not saying that you need to just you know, you know, sell your whole house and move to Zimbabwe. He may be saying that, but that's not the main application at this point. All right, for these guys, it was. This is their life. This is the, they are a very special calling at being one of the 12. The point is not just sell everything and go. The point is, what do you value and treasure the most? That's the point. And that's, that's what followers do. Followers love Jesus more than everything else. Right, that, that's, that's, the, that's the point. For these guys, think about this. This is the greatest catch they'll ever have. This is a great, they got the greatest fish story they'll ever have, and it's true, it's not a lie. They have the greatest fish story. They're gonna make more money today than they'll ever make before. They're probably, they gotta be thinking, man, we need to have Jesus in our boat every night. This'll take like 30 minutes, we'll be done, we'll make a killing. And at the height of their business, the stock is going up, Everything's going great. They walk away. Why? Because they have found the pearl of great price. They have found the treasure in a field that is so valuable that they sell everything they have so they can purchase it. They just value Christ more than anything. And I'm not saying that Jesus is sending you to Zimbabwe and leave Memorial Hospital. What I am saying is what you have to start seeing yourself in that place that he has put you as, as a Christian first. And so it's not about leaving everything. It's about reimagining what you are at that place. It's not, oh, we have to quit all sports and all extracurricular activities. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is you need to reimagine it. Well, what does it look like now to be a follower on this team? And how do I win and how do I lose? 
And how do I treat my teammates and how do I do this? That's what it asks. It doesn't mean you have to give all your money away. It means I have to start thinking that this money is needed to be used for eternity. So what does that look like? It's just, it's just repurposing your life with Christ at the top and then everything else in its right order. And if he does say, leave, then you're like, well, you're already the most important thing, so it makes sense. And so as, as we kind of move to worship, here's what I, Jesus was gonna later say in this, in this book. Whoever wants to save his life loses it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Just ask, what, is the mo- what do you treasure the most? Right? Is it some facade that you're putting on Instagram and, and Facebook that you're pretending to be this, but this is really? Is it just, what, is it a career? Is it, I, mean, I don't know. But ask yourself, in a thousand years, what is that gonna matter? A thousand years, your Facebook account will be deactivated. Your job will be gone. What you owned will be, what is most treasured? What are you holding on to? Maybe there's some sin that you are holding on to and Jesus is asking you to leave that behind because you know this relationship is bad and I know you're scared because you're thinking, well, I'm getting a little older and I, don't, I haven't got married and, and, and this is not a great oppor- greatest opportunity, but it's an opportunity. And, and he's saying, no, 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 leave that. Maybe it's some secret deal. I, I don't know. But we wanna treasure him above all else. Treasure him above all else. And, if, and some of you, maybe you were running real hard when you were young and you were 23 and you were in you know, Campus Crusade and doing this and you look back in the last 10 years and you're just not as passionate about your relationship with God. Just life got in the way. Busyness got in the way. Just ask, what pulled yourself away? And what does it look like to get back to that place where you're saying, no, this is the most important thing. Right? Followers love above all else. So Peter leaves, Mr. Fisherman. Yeah, he struggles. He goes up and down. He's even gonna go back to fishing at some point. But you know what? He learned and he got it. Because 30 years later, the Apostle Peter in the city of Rome is gonna be led up a hill to be crucified. And he's going to ask his Roman, Roman soldiers that are crucifying to crucify him upside down because he didn't find it himself worthy to be killed in the same way his savior. Did he learn humility? Yeah. Did he learn to treasure? Yeah. Did he learn to follow when it didn't make sense? Yeah. And do you think he's got any regrets? If you could talk to the old Pete right now, was it worth it, Peter? Any regrets? No regrets. No regrets. And, and there will be none for us either. Right. Let me pray. And, and Ethan and his team is going to lead us. Uh, and they're going to lead us in a new song. And I didn't tell them this, so I'm on the fly. So Ethan, this is for you. You guys just listen to the words of this song in the beginning of this song. Because this is the heart of what we're, we're, we're looking for and what Christ is looking for. The call for both Christians and non-Christians today, where you're at, is to follow him. And so this song is just about following. So just as they lead, listen to the lyrics. Make this your prayer. And at some point, E, when you feel... Ready, just have a stand and join you. And we'll just worship and respond um, as, as followers of Christ. Let me pray, and then we'll sing. Father in heaven, I just pray for us as a church, a simple message to follow you in humility, um, when it doesn't make sense, uh, treasuring you above all else, and, and doing the things that you care about, fishing. 
caring for people, people you came to save, the blind, the poor, the needy, like us. And so we want to follow. Just show us what that looks like in every single person's heart. Your spirit knows what we need to hear. Your spirit knows who we are. And so I trust him to move this morning uh, in your people. For your name's sake, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon. For the community group discussion questions, see the podcast description. For anything else, visit the website, cbcsavannah.com.